This podcast features adults using adult language, but you know, you got to grow up sometime. Hey everyone, you know what it's time for? Swan's Crossing! to dive into our stupid banter? I am not. Give okay. me a moment. <laughs> Are we recording right now? Yes. Great. But that's okay, because I'll edit this later to sound cooler than it is. That seems unlikely. When has that <laughs> ever been true? How dare you, sir? I'm, I'm good to go. All right, great. Oh, my God. Episode 38. The ending of this episode is extremely distressing. Yes, it is. Oh, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hello, friends. This has got to grow up sometime, a Swans Crossing retrospective. I'm Libby Grant. I'm Nathan Kessler-Jeffrey. And we are distressed by the ending of episode 38. Mm, very unpleasant. Did yeah. not did not like it. Yeah, there were a, a number of unpleasant things in this episode. It was uh, It's all ramping up to more unpleasantness, too, which I can't oh, wait God. for. Okay, great. Yeah. Great. Uh, well, let's see. Should we go over your predictions please, for last time? Please, there okay. is There is a more interesting thumbnail to talk about this this week <laughs> than the last several weeks of close-ups on Sydney. <laughs> With her incredible headband. Yeah. Okay, your predictions from last week. Glory and Callie would spend more time bonding. No, Glory was asleep the whole time. Yep. More- Extremely asleep. Yes. More Sadra and Callie on the porch recapping what happened in the pre in the episode 37. Dead on. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. You thought we would get more of Barrett, Callie, and Jimmy. I argue that that was correct because we got more Callie and Jimmy and they talked about Barrett. There's so. a lot of discussion of the Barrett. Yeah, so I'm giving you a win on that. I do not like that man, Barack. <laughs> I do not either. You uh, figured that Mila and Sydney would go over the plan for getting Mila together with Billy Gunn, and Sydney would try to figure out how she will work this into her into her plan to swap Garrett for Billy. I would say that's pretty much correct. Mm-hmm. And you figured Garrett would put the thumbscrews to Sydney about the plan. Sadly, that did not. That did not happen. happen. Some very interesting Garrett scenes in this one. Yes, indeed. And finally, you figured there would be no Neil and JT, or at least not much, and no Gronies. And mainly that was incorrect. Yeah. There was some Neil and JT. And there there was a groanie. There, there was a groanie. <laughs> okay, tell us about the thumbnail. So, this week we get a shot of Mila and Sydney chatting on Mila's bed. Sydney looks like she's plotting something, and Mila is gazing up at her like she is the bee's knees. Like she is the best thing that's ever existed. Sydney, it should be noted, has not changed out of her outfit for the benefit. She is still <laughs> wearing that horrible white headband that we have seen her in for, I think, the last four thumbnails. It is two in the morning at this point. It is <laughs> way past two in the morning at this point. She's still wearing that shit. I can't believe it. And then she... The, I, I am so confused about the timeline. <laughs> so confused. You're not going to get less confused. Oh, my episode. word. 
Well, we open on Callie on the booth porch. She's cleaning up the cookie wreckage, but instead of just picking up cookies with her fingers, she's using a towel to pick them up like they're super messy or really hot or something. Yeah, yeah. A cookie wreckage is the best possible way to describe that. It, they're everywhere. Uh, they are. They are everywhere. But also, it sounds like a plane crashed. You know what I mean? It's like a cookie plane <laughs> tumbling out of the sky. Oh, oh. what a tragedy. <laughs> this just in from Swan's Crossing. There's been a terrible accident. Oh, cookie detritus everywhere. Oh, the humanity. Callie asks Saja to start again at the beginning because we have to get exposition in this episode. He he pushes back, ex- saying that explaining for the fourth time will not help understand the strange bald man dressed as a docking post. And I just want to say that pu- pushing back against lazy exposition is still a form of lazy exposition. Also, it should be noted that despite Saja vowing to dedicate his body and soul to cleaning up the cookie wreckage, he is just sitting around while Callie does all the work. He has absolutely done nothing since arriving. We get this glorious flashback scene with the musical underscore of this funky drums and this ump tempo like synth organ which is delightful Uh, it it is just music there's no sound other than the music and we see Saja again stand on the docks in his ninja garb and mistakenly put his hand on the baldy's head who wakes up and chases him off and then they replay almost all of the chase scene from the last episode. The things that we miss are Saja ogling the jogger and uh, interrupting Beric at the tool and die. It is about a minute and 15 seconds worth of funky music and Saja running around, and it's great. And can I just say that at a little bit of a higher speed, this plays like one of the old Keystone Cops films. At 1.25, which is what I do recommend watching Swans Crossing at, it definitely looks like a Keystone Cops. It's great. That's awesome. Callie wonders if there's a connection between the Baldi and Barrack, and Saja feels like maybe there is, just because Barrack acted so strangely when Saja saw him in the shop, but Saja can't really say what Barrack was actually doing in the shop, so he says... I failed you, haven't I? And he gets all bummed. My, the thing <laughs> that I love about this is they do a minute and a half of Saja being chased by the Baldy and then discuss it not at all. <laughs> Saja's been chased by a grown-ass man through the, through the darkened streets and alleys of Swan's Crossing. And they're like, but what was Beric doing? Well, Callie decides they should start over at the beginning and keep looking for clues. And she leads Saja off the porch, but Garrett comes wandering home in his sport coat. Dear listeners, it is now at least 1.30 in the morning, if not later. Minimum. Yeah. Minimum 1.30 in the morning. He uh, teases them about uh, about it being like the two oddballs getting along yeah. uh, and, and hitting it off. And then <laughs> finds out after he said this that Callie is staying with them for the week. <laughs> and he's like, oh, great. He's not thrilled. And then as Saja and Callie scamper off into the night to do Scooby-Doo things, Garrett goes into the house just yelling at the top mm-hmm. of his lungs for glory. I'm sure his parents were thrilled. Yeah. They just must not have wanted to pay the actors <laughs> to show up to this filming because there is no way on God's green earth that adults would not have responded to the many shenanigans that happen in this episode. <laughs> 
Oh, maybe uh, maybe Grant and Cornelia Booth sleep as deeply as their daughter does. Every time you say Cornelia, I know that that is her name, but I want it so desperately to be Cordelia. Cordelia is kind of a fancier name, so it, it fits Cor- her a little bit better. Cornelia sounds like you're about to go play some cornhole or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know when I went to that crazy Hollywood party at the yeah. comedian's house in the Hollywood Hills? Yeah. He had this epic cornhole setup on his huge deck that overlooked the Hollywood Hills. Okay. So somebody gave me a joint that was shaped like a crucifix. It was three joints at once. I smoked it. And then I just played cornhole all night <laughs> on this fancy deck. It was great. That's fantastic. It was, it was that, wonderful. You played... I, 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 stoned having, cornhole. Having never been stoned, <laughs> I don't really understand what the coordination issues are. Like, I assume from being drunk that it is like being drunk. And I, there's no way on God's green earth I could play cornhole while intoxicated. <laughs> I mean, yeah, usually I think most people would struggle with it, but I think I've been stoned so often that I just sail right through. That's nice. I'm what they call a functional stoner. (laughs) Anyway, we cut to Sydney in Mila's room on the red shoe phone. She's talking to her mom, giving permission to stay the night. At 2 a.m. Hell yeah, please stay wherever. I don't care if you're homeless right now. Please stay where you are and stop calling me. Right? Do not move and hang up the phone. (laughs) It's 2 a.m. What the hell? Mila is ready to get to work right away on the plan to convince her mom to let her date grown-ass man Billy Gunn. And she is adamant that they have to start this quickly. (laughs) They have to have a plan right now because, quote, Billy will be here in two days. I guess more like a day and a half now. <laughs> yeah, probably. It gets it gets very dramatic. <laughs> it does. Sydney kind of tries to convince Mila to give up on the idea, and she says, Sometimes you think you want doesn't make you happy when you get it, which was definitely a flubbed line, but we get the gist, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and almost immediately, we cut to JT and Neil getting out of Swan's Cafe. And... And JT is saying, nothing like a good old burger before bedtime. What fucking time is it? How is Swan's Cafe still open? Libby, we live in a small town. Nothing's open past 9.30. But as we discussed in the last episode, what is open until 2 a.m. is the bars. The two bars we have. Yeah, yeah, is... Is there a point at which Swans becomes a dive bar? I'm for the telling evening? you, it is a dive bar. It is the the <laughs> the Bugsy Malone the Bugsy Malone dive bar of Swans Crossing. <laughs> Do you think Jazz ever leaves? No. Yeah. Sh- you know what? That's where the Baldy was calling from. Oh my Jazz's God. room in the cafe. Nathan, just remember you said that a few episodes from now. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. Nathan just inadvertently predicted a plot twist, you guys. Oh no. Mark this moment. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Anyway, Neil goes over all the junk food JT ate that night, and it should be noted, which I'm saying a lot this episode, that JT is still carrying food out of swans, and Neil has some too, in the form of those little paper boat thingies. They've got like french fries or something. Yeah. And Neil's not eating them, but I get the impression that he's like a food Sherpa for JT. (laughs) So, um, it is during this conversation that Neil figures out that JT was not, in fact, working on how to boost the melting point of uranium during this conversation by scribbling in his notepad, but was, in fact, (laughs) creating more poetry uh, on a poem entitled Rocket to Paradise, 
which, dear listeners, we do get to hear in its full glory later this episode. I did not write it down. Did you write it all down? I wrote down the most important part. Excellent. Neil uh, scolds him for a little bit, but then he agrees to meet... JT agrees that he will meet Neil back at their computer again. Two in the fucking morning. Yep. So they can continue doing more UB2B work. Neil wants to know where the hell he's going. And JT says, to play post office. And then, before he literally runs away, he does that thing where he waggles his eyebrows up and down a whole bunch to indicate that he's horny. (laughs) I just, is post office some sort of weird sexual thing that I don't know about? Is it, I, is I, it like, what, is it like a, I, we did the post office. I mean, it feels like <laughs> it has to be because nothing that JT says has anything to do with post offices later. Like there is no, uh, there's yeah. no delivery of a letter or anything like that. It's just, we'll, we'll I mean, he, he is delivering a poem. Kind of. If you want to call it delivering and if you want to call it a poem. <laughs> Oh, JT. We get the opening credits. When we come back, Callie and Saja are back at the docks, retracing Saja's steps. Callie points out they're going to have to be very careful because the bald guy might still be following Saja. Yeah. Uh, they, they walk through what happened, and and when, when when he gets to the point of describing being chased off, Callie goes, you were so, you were scared. And Saja goes, no. <laughs> the warrior is warmed by the chase. <laughs> by the chase. Uh, okay, I was a little startled. A little. <laughs> and then he swears that uh, if he does see the baldy come after him again, he's gonna give him one of these and he does an amazing jump and a karate kick. But just as he does it, something beeps and Callie shouts to freeze. And her eyes seem to be fixated on something off camera. Yes. We cut over to Mila and Sydney. Sydney is explaining... You have to follow the plan or it doesn't work. Like the time she tried to help Nancy hide a horse. This conversation has haunted me since the first time I ever saw Swans Crossing. I was like, what? (laughs) You know, like that time I tried to hide a horse. (laughs) There's a horse loose in the hospital. There's a horse (laughs) loose in Nancy's bedroom because apparently... (laughs) Sydney's big idea for helping Nancy was that she put the horse in her bedroom to, to so because Nancy's parents didn't know that she bought this horse. Yep. Which, like, okay, jumping horses are expensive, but still. Hides it in her bedroom, and then Mila says, Oh, Sydney, only you could hide a horse. <laughs> well, Sydney says, but only Nancy would jump over her bed with it. So, how big is Nancy's fucking bedroom? Is it the size of an arena? How do you canter a horse up to a bed and then jump over it if you are inside a house? I desperately want to see this on camera. I think Only You Could Hide a Horse might have to be our title for this. Only You Could Hide a Horse. (laughs) That's very good. Cookie Wreckage is also very good. It is good. Once again, we have too many choices. (laughs) Sydney's first idea is that instead of... Instead of Billy coming here, Mila should go to London to, quote, see Uncle Bobby and meet Billy there. And and Mila says, that's no good because the Countess would definitely insist on going. Yeah, because you're a teenager. Then Sydney comes up with a brilliant idea that she should meet Billy in secret. No shit. <laughs> Die. <laughs> Oh, and then Mila says she doesn't know, she doesn't see how she can meet anyone in secret because everyone's all up in each other's business in this town, which is true. And Sydney's like, I used to do it all the time. And the pensive piano music plays again. 
throughout this whole scene, Mila is having one conversation, which Sydney is also having, but Mila, but Sydney is having a whole subtextual other conversation <laughs> that if Mila had any clue at all about how to read like uh, nonverbal cues, she would ask about. <laughs> You know, but I I have props to Sarah Michelle Gellar because she is crushing it. She is, she's doing a great job. It's very believable that Sydney is caught between a rock and a hard place, as she said a couple of episodes ago. Yeah. Uh, Mila wants to know who Sydney was meeting in secret, but Sydney won't talk about it. And then Mila's worried because she's never hidden anything from her mother before. She doesn't feel good about it. Sydney explains that the more you hide from your parents, the easier it gets. And after some morose back and forth, Mila says, Well, I guess as the song says, you gotta Gotta grow grow up sometime. sometime. Hey, that's the name of our podcast! This is so fucking meta. Ah! (laughs) Uh, Mila uh, points out that it's going to be difficult to meet in secret with a star in town where everyone knows your every move. So Sydney agrees to continue thinking about it. (laughs) It's just really... The point of this scene is that Sydney's taking a long time to think. We're going to cut back to the docks. uh, And I'm sure, I I feel confident that they have repurposed the area where the sub typically is docked here. But it is easily one of the newest feeling sets because they've they've like lit it differently. And I was very delighted by this. Yes, it does have brand new fresh vibes and it's very exciting. Uh, Callie finds a cotton ball. Oh my god. What's interesting is, she doesn't find whatever the fuck was beeping at them. The beep I didn't is forgotten. Hear, I didn't hear the beep. Oh, I heard the beep. There's definitely oh, okay. a beep there. Okay. And it's just no longer part of the story. Well, obviously not. <laughs> obviously not. Just like, Gloria's never gonna read that physics book. <laughs> and JT probably doesn't know that he has Gloria's spelling book from the third grade or whatever the fuck that was. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, with the discovery of this incredible cotton ball, they decide it's time to go spy on Barrack again. And Saja runs off screen, but Callie mutters like a cop in a cop drama, Barrack's not the type to mess up twice in one night. We better be careful. It's so good. So good. I, I was like, Danta. <laughs> <laughs> it was really good. As ominous music plays... We cut to Glory, sleeping with her big white teddy bear in her cute little floral print bed. (laughs) There's serial killer music as a shadow crosses over her. It's Garrett. (laughs) It really feels like Garrett is plotting to murder her. Yeah. Frankly, between the two people that appear in in Glory's bedroom, I'm not sure which one is more problematic. (laughs) I'm not sure which one is more dangerous. Glory is definitely being menaced a lot in her sleep. Yeah. Uh, he tells her t- that Callie told her not to wait up. He says loud. He says this loudly. She seems still completely out cold. <laughs> now, to be fair, when I was a teenager, I slept through fire engines coming to our house. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was a deep sleeper. <laughs> totally understand how this could happen. That's incredible. We cut to the commercial with more psycho music playing, and then we're back. Garrett searches Glory's room for something to use as a weapon because he saw a shadow on the Fabian shade just before, like like in a blink right before we cut to commercial in the previous scene. And shadow crosses Fabian shade. And what weapon does he find, Libby? He pulls a framed portrait off the wall and brandishes it above his head. Like, 
literally you would do better just to kick someone in the face as they came through the window. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Why do you have yep. a picture? And you hear JT like, Glory, open the window, open the window. <laughs> the window is open. It is very obviously open. Yeah. But in my notes I have, please, please, please let this be the moment that Garrett finds out that JT's been writing poetry for Glory. <laughs> and you are in luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my notes say... JT starts talking, for it is he. <laughs> for it is he indeed. And Garrett, but like when he hears JT's voice, he has this instant of relief followed by the sly look like maybe he's still going to bash JT over the head with that picture. <laughs> <laughs> and hats off to Shane McDermott for a truly hilarious moment. Like I genuinely laugh every time at this scene. JT is calling for glory. Garrett decides to imitate glory's voice. <laughs> he's like, just a minute. <laughs> ridiculous and then we cut to outside the window which is frankly completely open like it's not like she the you could reach through it and touch the shade on the other side and we cut over there and jt begins reading this poem without anything changing whatsoever the ladder which jt is currently on is his rocket to paradise (laughs) oh that's right that's why i didn't record the words of the poem because I'm going to put the audio of the entire poem right here. Some have a jet, others a ship, a zeppelin, a saucer. But what do they matter? My ladder is my rocket to paradise. Drawn to your light, the gravity of your night. Star by star I climb, nearer to you every time. Am I a fool? Should I stay on the ground? Pretend my heart is made of ice? What does it matter? I have my ladder. My rocket to paradise. Okay, now, if the poem ended on that stanza, it would be fine. Like, not great poetry, but honestly, it's better than anything I wrote when I was 14. However, it continues with this. Nothing would make me gladder if you'd ride on my ladder. Our ladder. Our rocket to paradise. Ride on my ladder? Ride on my ladder. JT. Yeah. That sounds uncomfortably horny. <laughs> Ride on my ladder. Garrett pulls Garrett up Garrett is losing his mind oh my in God, the other room. So, it is so good. It's so funny. Garrett cannot keep it in. He's cracking up. He pulls up the shade and makes a kissy face like right in JT's face. Nothing would make me gladder than if you'd ride on my ladder. Oh my God. So good. <laughs> We cut to Mila asleep in her bed. The camera zooms out, and Sydney is talking to herself while on the couch. She's like, since when do I bite my nails? I'm really not myself. (gasps) That's it! Right, now she has a grand plan. She wakes Mila up, and she tells her what she's going to do. She's going to have Mila and Billy meet right out in the open. But she's going to disguise Mila as someone else. Give me his number, and I'll handle everything. Yeah, because Mila's like, how's he going to know it's me if I'm disguised so well that my own mother won't recognize me? My favorite thing is that the very last shot of this scene, Brittany Daniels apparently uh, seems to have been given the note to give a conspiratorial smile or something at the end of the scene to sort of button it. It is terrible. What direction were you given, honey? Oh, 
Okay. We cut to outside the tool and die, where Saja boosts Callie up so she can, like, do something to the top of the door. I'm not sure what she's going for, because she's just, like, clawing at the top of the door frame. What it looks... what it, here's, the th- here's the way that I made sense of this. He is boosting her up to look through the cracks in the wood above the door. The cracks that are the exact same size as the wood in the door itself. So she could just stand normally and look through the cracks of the wood of the door. Right, but if she were standing normally, then she wouldn't be able to topple dramatically into Jimmy's arms when he opens the door from the inside, which is exactly what happens. Exactly what happens. I rewound this several times because it looks for a flash second like he got he got a little little booby there ah! in the in the fall. He does not. True gentleman. <laughs> Good job, Jimmy. When we get back. We're at Glory's window again, thank God, where Garrett is smugly accusing JT of breaking and entering, and he threatens to do all kinds of things, like calling the police or calling both of their dads. He's listing, as as Garrett is wont to do, want, won't, want. want. As Garrett is wont to do, he is listing things in numerical order, and by the time he is done, he has gotten to ten of them. Oh my God, Garrett loves a list. Uh, Garrett was... loves a list. <laughs> Another <laughs> great title. Damn, how am I ever going to choose? Uh, finally, Garrett decides on point ten on his list that he is going to smash JT's head with a picture frame. After all, and he gets really into this idea, like in a creepy Ted Bundy way. Yeah. Before we get much further, Garrett almost pushes the ladder over that JT is standing on. Uh, yeah, he kind of he kind of grabs it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> before uh, giving quote JT a break and telling him to take off and find yourself another rocket and use that napkin to wipe the egg off your face. What napkin? It was supposed to be a napkin that he wrote his poem on, but it's that's what it is. But it's clearly okay. like a sheet of notebook paper. It, yeah. It's like a little notebook page. Yeah. yeah. JT climbs down his ladder in humiliation, but only two steps, because that's how big the ladder is. Yep, yep, the ladder is two steps high, and pulls away from the window so fast. So good! (laughs) It completely shatters the illusion that he was actually up on a ladder. Like, it's obviously just a set. All second story windows in this set, in this show are roughly two feet off the ground. I love it so much. It's great. Uh, Garrett gloats over Glory's bed for a moment longer, and then he leaves her room, laughing evilly. We cut to the tool and die where Jimmy is berating Saja for scaring Barrick, who apparently, according to Jimmy, was working on the trigger for the revolving stage when Saja scared him. <laughs> uh, and Jimmy Jimmy backs this information up all night, saying that he was here the whole time. And this irritates Callie to no end, but Saja admits that he didn't see Jimmy. He doesn't know if Jimmy was there or not. So True. And Jimmy points out, as we said on our last episode, that anyone would have jumped if they'd looked up to see a fucking ninja staring at them. Like, that'll scare the shit out of you. You don't expect that. Yeah. No one expects a fucking ninja! (laughs) Callie still insists that only someone with something to hide would be frightened by the sudden appearance of a ninja. Sorry, Callie, usually I'm on your side, but not this time. Nope, nope. Jimmy says, the lord of the warriors meets the queen of paranoia. (laughs) I burn. I will say, I will say, Jimmy has been around for the majority of Callie's, like, weird paranoid theories... I feel like I feel like this is a legitimate like complaint or a legitimate like critique of Callie's personality. 
Yeah, well, there's not, sincerely, there's not much to hang her suspicions on on Beric. Beric is a creep. He's weird, for sure. Defo. He, he makes her uncomfortable with good reason. But, like, there's no reason to pin him to the Baldies or, like, any of the other weird mysteries that are going on in Swan's Crossing. It doesn't make any sense. Saja and Callie are both a little bit bummed, wondering if maybe they're wrong about Beric after all. But then Callie looks down and spots another cotton ball on the floor. What were the writers thinking? Like, they were like, God, we have to have some clues. How could we get clues? Yeah. That's the only- Cotton balls are clues? (laughs) They show up well on the camera. Just have to put them against a dark background. Exactly. It's the lamest clue I can think of. I'm just... It's so... Oh. It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, we cut back to Glory in her bed again as some truly creepy, cr- as some truly <laughs> creepy Tru- music. Truly creepy. <laughs> truly creepy music. Truly creepy music that we've never heard before plays. It sounds like the soundtrack of a horror film. Like, it's, it takes it up a notch. The shadow crosses her bed again. We cut camera. It's the Baldi. Ah! The Baldi is coming from inside the house. <laughs> oh, shit. Complete with a cotton ball in his ear, too, in case you didn't get what all the cotton balls were from earlier. He looms over Glory for a moment, stands up straight, sneers, freeze frame, roll credits. I am so distressed. You know the thing I'm the most distressed about in this scene? The Baldi is still wearing his button from the Nudebronk benefit. Okay. That's what you're the most distressed about? (laughs) Yes. Seriously? (laughs) No. Okay. Okay. The cutest, sweetest character in the whole series (laughs) is in the middle of a home invasion. What are you talking about? And you're distressed that he's wearing the nudibranch button! I don't pretend that anything about this show makes sense, including my reactions to it. Oh my word. Well... You're a monster. Speaking of monsters, who was our psychopath of the week? Ah. Uh, I feel like it's gotta be Garrett because of his, like, evil joy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he really wanted to bash JT over the head for reals. He really did. He really did. Did you get us a swan count? We had two new fake swans. We got the the swan in the theme song, and then we got the swan on the back of Milo's bed for uh, four imaginary swans, 24 actual swans, and 103 other swans. Wow, nice. So, what are your predictions for next week? Okay. I don't... Here's what I think. Either the Baldi is a friend of the family who has been invited to spend time at the Booth's house that we didn't know about. Or, Glory wakes up and there is no sign of the Baldy anywhere and the poetry notebook is gone. I think Callie starts to associate the Baldy and Beric working together because of the cotton balls. I hope that someone, like, that this night ends (laughs) and we experience the next day. This is becoming an episode of 24 is what's happening. The following takes place between 1 a.m. and 2 a.m. on the night of the Nudibranch benefit. I'm the only one who can find these cotton balls. 
I loved that show so much. Oh, that was a good show. Okay, uh, so JT goes back to work with Neil on the on the UB2B stuff, but is really like bummed out because he's been made fun of for his poetry by Garrett and is like having a little bit of a, hit, a temper tantrum and Neil's trying to get him to focus. Uh, Saja, I don't think it has a lot to do in the next episode. Callie goes back to the Booth house and I want to say that uh, Sydney and... Garrett have a conversation where Sydney tells Garrett that she's got a plan and then I think I think her plan is she's going to swap out Billy Gunn for Garrett when Mila's supposed to meet Billy. That's what I think is going to happen. Not that that happens next episode, but I think that's what she's thinking. And I think we get, we do get with a Baldy reports in on what he finds in Glory's bedroom. That's all I've got. All right. <clears throat> well, it certainly will be an action-packed episode no matter what happens next week. Uh, thank you to Richard Winsler and Steve Lane for the use of our theme song, Gotta Grow Up Sometime, from the hit show Swan's Crossing. And if you want to find us on social media, we're on Twitter uh, we're on Twitter at Gotta Grow Up Pod and on Instagram at Swan's Cross Pod. We are 38 episodes into this, <laughs> and we still cannot end the podcast. You guys, I am doing the best I can at <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> And this is as good as it gets. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. This is why I haven't told any of my friends who are like honest to God actual professional podcasters that I have a podcast. Like, you just don't need to know. <laughs> it's not important. It's not important. Uh, have I told you that this pot, like Courtney has started listening to the podcast and now actually legitimately wants to watch the show? We're if, doing God's work. No, we're not. <laughs> we're doing if, Satan's work. If I have to watch a single one of these episodes over again, I will lose my shit. Well, if you do decide to watch any of these episodes over again, Nathan, I recommend weed. <laughs> Spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. Oh my gosh. Uh, well, friends, until we meet again, may you always have a reason for climbing up to the top of the doorframe. <laughs> What are you trying to prove, Garrett? That you can count to ten? My tenth thought is that I could smash this little picture of your sensitive and scientific little skull. Look, Garrett, when I'm here... Can